All right, well, good evening and welcome to Element City Church. My name is Lyle. I am the associate pastor here. That's the first time I've gotten to say that from the stage. That's exciting. So if you're uh, tuning in online or whether you're here in the house, we're just glad that you're here to worship with us tonight. It's, uh, it's a privilege for us to get to invite you into our house or for you to welcome us into your house if you're tuning in online. So a couple things just as we get started. One, if you don't have our church app, you can download that it's cutting out. There we go. So uh, the Google Play Store uh, or the App Store, it doesn't matter. Uh, just search Element City Church. You can download the app there. Uh, that lets you see playlists. That lets you give. Uh, you can get sermon notes and Do I need to? I'm, t- I'm holding the bottom. This is what I'm learning. I don't usually hold these because they're in a mic stand, so I apologize. It's my fault. Everyone, give it up for Micah Saldivar in the back, running sound. That's right, fixing problems even from the back by bossing me around. That's his job, really. So uh, anyway, so app, download that app. Uh, If you're new here tonight, uh, if you're online, we want to let you know that we do have hosts. So you can just drop a comment in uh, in there, and they'd love to pray with you. They'd love to give you any information that you uh, could want. But if you're new and you're here in the room, go ahead and pull out your phone. You can dial 520-340-6868 and just send a text that says, hello. Uh, you're going to get a link that you can tap on the link and fill that out, and that lets us get to know you a little bit better so that we can engage with you and let you know more about us as well. Uh, so big news, this Tuesday, if you're 18 to 25, we are starting a new college group. Uh, and so this is a passion of mine. This is something I'm excited to get off the ground. We've already got a couple people who said that they're uh, excited to attend that. Uh, for those of you who are post-college, don't worry. We've got something in the pipeline for you as well in the coming weeks. We're already getting discussions going on that. But really what it's all about is the connected life is better than the surrounded life. We're all about small groups here. We know that that's where uh, people grow. That's where they get to know more about Jesus. And so if you're interested in any form of e-group, that's what we call our small groups, make sure you stop at the table in the back and say something to Amy. She'd be happy uh, to get you a sheet about those groups. So uh, if you have questions about the college Bible study, feel free to ask me tonight, but that's Tuesday night, 6.30, that we're gonna get started with that. So uh, ultimately, we're just happy that you're tuning in. Let's all stand together. We're gonna start with a word of prayer. We're gonna pray for the church of the week. And this week's church is a live church, and their pastor, and I'm not kidding, is Dr. Love, Dr. Jeff Love. So we're going to pray for the love doctor, uh, as I know he has referred to himself in the past, I believe. And uh, we're going to pray for them, what God's doing there, uh, and we're also going to pray for our night. So, Father, we just thank you for your presence with us. Uh, Even as we begin, uh, we would do well to just stop and remember that right now you are here, your spirit is here, your spirit is ready to work and ready to move. And so we're asking, God, that you would create the space in our hearts to sense how it is that you want to speak to us tonight and how you're moving us tonight. We pray for a live church, and we just thank you for the work that they're doing out on the northwest side of town. We pray your blessings over them, over Dr. Love, uh, over Wynn, their worship leader. Uh, got a great friend and their youth pastor there, Cody. Uh, and we just pray that you would continue uh, to allow them to influence their neighborhood uh, in the area that they are, especially as uh, the world is kind of reawakening and as restrictions have been lifting and people are coming back to church. Uh, I know they're excited, God. So give them favor and just give them discernment and wisdom on how to best lead their church through this season. Uh, And so, Lord, we're excited again that you're doing this work, not just in in our church, but in all of Tucson. And what a blessing it is to remember the work that you're doing in other churches, because we're all on the same team. We all want the same thing, and that's for this city to recognize that Jesus is Lord, that he's worth following, that he's worth living uh, a life for, God. So would you allow us to do that even tonight? to live our lives for you. Uh, So open our hearts to receive what it is that you have for us tonight. Would you be with us uh, as we worship you through song, through the word, 
It's all in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, Elements, get those hands up. Just like Margo's got right here. This is the awkward part of the song where it kind of builds up and we just get ready to, to praise Jesus, right? Amen? Amen? All Yes. Yeah. 
church. 
God 
Father, we sing that as truth because it is. Your goodness, it follows us, it rests within us. Lord, no matter where we stand, what the circumstances of this world have to present around us, Father, your goodness is there because you love us so deeply. Father, we praise you. We praise you for that truth. Whether we're on a mountaintop or in times of mourning, grief, of difficulty, Lord, your goodness, it never changes. You are constant, you are consistent. Man, that's worth singing for. It's worth living our lives for. And God, to the best of our ability, Father, we ask that we would become that. That we would be people that live as if God's goodness rests in our spirit each day. We aim for that, Father. We love you. You are so worthy of our praise. Lord, we pray uh, that you would be here. You are here right now with us, God, that you would move amongst us, Lord. We pray for, for Jack as he comes and and speaks your words to us, God. We pray that, that potent elements of those words, Father, would sit and begin to change us. So again, God, you are so worthy of our praise. I am so thankful to be able to stand up here and listen to these angelic voices singing to you. Thank you, and we love you, amen. You guys can have a seat. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed, this announcement that Jesus gives over his disciples, his followers. And the Beatitudes is the beginning of what's known as the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. It's probably some of the best known teaching of Jesus. He would have taught it often and in traveling uh, terms and been around the places. And yet, 
often it's, it's confusing or challenging, maybe the least obeyed words of Jesus. And this uh, Beatitude section is kind of this list of things, and, and there's a part of us in our humanity that says, okay, is that a list I'm supposed to tackle and go after? Or is this just something that God wants to do in my heart? And, and, and that's what we've set out in these uh, few weeks that we're going to spend looking at this, is to understand the heart behind why Jesus said what he said. I don't know if you've ever faced uh, profound sadness before. My hunch is if it was just you and I at coffee and we can hang out, I, I bet, there'd be, bet there'd be moments that you could tell. <laughs> if, I, I remember sadness as a kid. Sadness as a kid is like when I left my Winnie the Pooh teddy bear at the hotel in California and my parents drove away and I couldn't have it anymore and it was... <laughs> Heartbreaking, right? Anyone ever been there? Two of you, perfect. You understand my grief. Um, sadness is like when your parents say, hey, it's time to go, and you're leaving the playground. You're like, why is time so cruel? Why does it have limits? Sadness is when you drop your ice cream cone onto the ground. And Well, let's be honest, that's sad any time uh, of life. Just, But as we age, sadness takes on a, a deeper level, doesn't it? Maybe it's the loss of a dream, something you are aspiring for, working toward, and all of a sudden it's kind of fading, and there's no way to really grab it and hold on to it, and it's just gone. A loss of a job, and the heartache, and the headache, and just this, the blow to your very soul that comes from that. And some of you have walked that road, maybe even in this last year, maybe in your past. Maybe it's the loss of a relationship that's just not going to make it. It's the heartache of a friendship that's going south, and there's really no way to fix it, or a love interest that's no longer interested, and, and there you are. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one, and for some of you, you've, you've traversed that reality in life, and maybe it's recent, maybe it's in the past, but the reality is the loss just doesn't ever fade, and there's, there's heartache that still lingers, and it's just an ache of the soul that there's a, there's a missing piece that just doesn't really get filled. Um, and if we could talk about the sadness and the loss of life, we could have a pretty significant conversation. But most of us, if we're honest, we don't like that conversation. We don't like those feelings. And so in our American culture, we, we tend, uh, whether you're watching online or you're here sitting in the room, my, my hunch is there's a tendency in you and a tendency in me to want to move past the sadness side of things, the, the grief, the loss, the heartaches. And, and yet there's so much a part of our story, and yet we don't want that to be the defining part of our story. And, and so we try, to, we try to get distracted with other things. We try to give our attention and our affections and our energies to something else. We try to move on and rush through it as fast as we possibly can. And, and yet Jesus, in this Beatitudes, said, blessed, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. What did he mean by that? Why did he say that? That's so un-American. That's so non-my culture, right? Blessed are those who mourn. No, no, blessed are those who go shopping. Blessed are those who move on and distract themselves with other things. No, no. And Jesus is saying, no, there's something here you've got to sit with. 
and it's okay. Because the benefit that will come is worth it. And you don't want to just rush past this. And I think that's a challenge in our culture and in our day. Because we don't like talking about it. You know what a hard sermon to preach is? One on morning. It's not very uplifting. It's not very rah-rah. But you know, do um, you know a sermon that's probably the most beneficial? A sermon on morning. Because it's the reality of your life. It's the reality of my life. It's the reality of the life around us. So much brokenness. So many things that we wish were different, and they're not. I've had the, the honor of helping a lot of families uh, at the moment of greatest loss. I've probably done over 150 to 200 funerals and, and sat with a lot of people who have gone through a grief that nobody here would want to sign up for and be with. Do you want to know what you say at the darkest moments? Absolutely nothing. There are no words to say. It's, it's the beauty of your presence that's best. In fact, when, when the moments are the hardest, your words should be the fewest. I sat with a friend this week a pastor's covenant group. There's five of us. Jim's got a couple weeks left to live. He's young. Not much older than I am. We've been together traveling life for the last nine and a half years. Praying for one another. Cheering for one another. Trying to give wisdom to one another. And to sit on his front porch and to visit with the other four of us and to reminisce and to remember and to thank and to express how grateful I am of how God used him in my life and to laugh and to joke. And, and I know what the future holds, and I know who holds his future, and he knows that too. But heartache doesn't evaporate from a moment like that. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. The Beatitudes is a portion of scripture that kind of sets up the whole Sermon on the Mount. Jesus will kind of unpack and, and come back to a few themes that come out of the Beatitudes. But in, in a lot of ways, we have to remember it's the Beatitudes, not the do attitudes. It's not the idea of these are the things that you're going to go do in order to get in right relationship with God or to grow your relationship with God. It's kind of the characteristics that God's wanting to craft within you and within your heart, within my heart, to, to kind of let us know here's what life and, and the God kind of life is meant to be. And the, and the world says, here's the good life, pursue this. And, and yet what we've kind of said at the very beginning is uh, kind of the series takeaways. The pursuit of the good life that the world says to seek after will ultimately always let you down. But the pursuit of a God life, 
will really lead to true joy and true blessing. A blessing is a sense of wholeness, a sense of beauty that isn't just circumstantial. See, when, when your circumstances are challenging, God's still there. That's his goodness that we just sang about. It doesn't mean he makes every situation good. It doesn't mean it's magically better. But it's mysteriously rich and meaningful and significant and beautiful even in the challenge because of his presence that's there. A part of living this God life is to understand that some of what Jesus is teaching here is very counterintuitive to our very nature. Kind of what we looked at last year. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who realize they're spiritually bankrupt without Jesus. Because that's the place you got to be in order to have and to be awakened to this truth of what the kingdom of God is like. That this reign and rule of God that Jesus is bringing. Blessed are those who mourn. For they will be comforted. We, we don't like to talk about mourning. We like to move beyond it. Jesus used the Greek word here, pantheo, which is the strongest word for mourning or lamenting in the New Testament. It expresses kind of loud crying as if someone is wailing over the agony of their sin or suffering going on around them or injustice or just human tragedy. It, it ultimately really describes a person whose heart is broken by the things that break God's heart. And maybe that's the best question to ask ourselves. Does your heart break for the things that break God's heart? Ultimately, maybe that's what Jesus is getting at here. Does your heart break for what breaks God's heart? It's kind of like this lamenting is kind of this holy hurt, this holy ache within us and I found that maybe the more time I spend with God over the years, um, you begin to capture his heart a little bit. His heart begins to capture more and more of you. And, and you begin to see life the way he sees life. And maybe that's the best possible way to live. And instead of my own selfish filter and, and my own little scope of reality, maybe it's the spirit beginning to break open and break through and say, here's how God sees things. Here's the reality of the struggles going on around us, maybe even within us. And do you see it like he sees? Healthy lamenting is actually a pain that pushes us deeper into faith with Jesus, to his redemptive purposes. It pushes us deeper into hope and to knowing that one day he will make all things new and right. But until then, there's a lot of things wrong. A lot of things wrong in me. A lot of things wrong around me. But lamenting has a way of pushing us into deeper loving of God and loving of others. And really, you know this to be true, that someone who comes alongside you in your suffering moments, someone who cares for you, comforts you, prays for you, reads scripture over you, nurtures you, just their presence is with you, that is a real gift, isn't it? Some of you have been receivers of that kind of gift as you've walked through some of the, the most heartache in your life in those seasons and, and God has brought people alongside and, and you made it because of God and because of them. And that 
is a richness to friendship and a depth to friendship that's far beyond just fun vacations or, or fun moments. Those are nice, and we should all have them. But it's in those darker, deeper moments. Because here's the reality. Mourning is inevitable. Uh, nobody likes to experience it, but sooner or later, we all got to pass through it. Grief makes no distinction between race, creed, color, touches young, old, rich, poor, male, female. No one is exempt. And yet, sometimes there's this narrative behind Christianity that says, well, just, just trust in Jesus and you'll have no problems. Your life will go perfect and there will be no issues because God just wants to give you blessing and wealth and health and all of that and a whole lot more. Listen, God has a good heart and he is for you and he is not against you, but that's not the gospel. That kind of takes its roots in the prosperity gospel that is really shady, if we're honest. The gospel is that through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus and our faith in him, we are saved forever from separation from God. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit. We are set apart by Christ and his salvation for all of this life and all of eternity. But it doesn't mean you're never going to suffer. It doesn't mean you're not going to have heartache or, or challenges in life. It doesn't mean that you won't face hardship or setbacks. In fact, Jesus said this. Here on earth... You will have trials and sorrows, but you take heart because I've overcome the world. That's why it can be a blessed life to mourn. Why? Because he promises to comfort. I've overcome this world. My comfort will meet you. My comfort will be with you. Even in the most challenging times, God is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Psalm 34, 18, one of my favorite psalms. Why? Because it speaks about a God who's with you in the yuck of life and whose heart hurts when your heart hurts. Maybe the question we asked earlier is, does my heart hurt when God's heart hurts? And maybe there's some kind of connection meant to be there. Mourning is not only inevitable, mourning is spiritual. Jesus promises that those who mourn will be comforted. It's in the anguish of grief that we can actually begin to experience some of the growing and deepest intimacy with God that we may ever have in the seasons of life that we have. It isn't that God is just on the mountaintop experiences of life. I think there's a depth of intimacy we can have with God in the valleys of life that you cannot experience from the mountaintop. There's no shortcuts to it. We don't like the valleys. But I think there's a growth of intimacy that can happen. Paul writes this in Ephesians 3.10. I want to know Christ... Not just know about him, I want to know him. So here's how I'm going to know him. I want to know him through the power of his resurrection, meaning this incredible power, the power that raised Jesus from the dead. I want to see that activated in my life because it's going to help me know Jesus. And also, he says, and participation in his sufferings. Man, we don't like that part. We want to know the power of the resurrection. That's awesome. But yet Paul is saying, listen, there's something. There's some kind of 
knowing of Christ that comes in the suffering seasons of life. Isaiah says that he was a suffering servant. There's something about the way Jesus lived and how he lived that begins to show us that mourning is actually a spiritual practice and can grow us in our faith. And sometimes we grieve over the sin of others and the brokenness of others that we see. That's actually why Paul wrote part of 1 Corinthians, right? You could go read 1 Corinthians 5. There's this havoc and conflict that's going on in the church. And Paul's saying, you got to deal with this and you got to deal with it this way and kind of head on. And in Galatians, he writes, brothers, if someone is caught in sin, then you who are spiritual should go and restore the other one gently. But watch out that you don't fall into temptation to restore someone means, and literally in Greek, it's kind of like when you set a broken bone. It's kind of to restore it to the way it meant to be, but it might be painful in the moment that you're in, but it's a, rest, or it's a restorative process. It's not punitive in nature. It's meant to be restorative in how you grow a relationship. And so sometimes it's, we mourn the sinful actions of others and the ramifications and the havoc that it causes. And sometimes we mourn the havoc that goes on inside of us and the spiritual grief over our own sinful actions. Jesus goes on in the Sermon on the Mount just a couple chapters later, Matthew 7. Uh, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in, uh, in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the two-by-four coming out of your own eye? He goes on, he kind of has this play with words saying, listen, we tend to look at other people and say, here's your issue, here's your issue. And yet the reality is we have the giant two by four coming out of our And like if we were smart enough to look in the mirror, we'd say, whoa, I got a bigger issue. And what Jesus is driving at is that sometimes mourning needs to start at home in your own heart. To start at home in your own heart to say, do I hurt for the actions and the choices and the ways that I live that fall short of what God deems to be his best. And, and I know it hurts his heart, and do I allow it to hurt my heart to go, God, I'm sorry that I missed again. See, that's what it is to sin. It's to miss the mark. It's, it's to, to kind of miss this deepest desire of here's God's best for your life, and we choose something different or something less than, and we pursue that. And you can help someone deal with their own issues, but sometimes you gotta start at home and deal with your own. It's maybe making repentance a regular rhythm of your life. That repentance isn't a one and done kind of thing. It's, it's mourning over uh, what breaks God's heart in me. What, what do I do? How do I live my life? How do I pursue things that actually is less than God's best? And he isn't there to say punitive in nature. It's restorative, trying to say, listen, I've got better for you. Philippians 1, 27 says this, above all, you must be citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. So it's learning to mourn what's in me that's less than God's best. It's also realizing it's mourning what those and what goes on around we what happens around we, what happens around us, and what's broken in the world around us. It's mourning that what we do that sometimes minimizes or causes others to be turned off or to push away from the beauty of who Jesus really is. It's mourning the brokenness and the injustices and the hurts that swirl around us in our society where things are not like they should be. 
and honesty. That's this last year. So much brokenness and hurt in our world that is not like it should be. And does it move your heart, friend? Do you give a rip? Or do you just live your life? Oh, that's really not my wheelhouse. Not too close to me. Or, or does your heart hurt for what hurts God's heart? And the brokenness that he sees in our world. And maybe how he'd want to use us to be a part of influencing it toward his best. And maybe learning to mourn is learning to sit with grief a little bit. To be made uncomfortable. And to mourn what's wrong within me. And to mourn what's wrong around we. And what's happening around us. It's not rushing away from mourning. Trying to get distracted to something else. Maybe it's learning to mind the lessons that we need to learn from it. See, mourning is inevitable. But it is also temporary. Thanks to Jesus. It's temporary. This isn't the way it's always going to be. One day he will make it all new and right again. And so it's realizing there's a shelf life to this, but maybe in the moment I don't need to rush past it, but I need to learn and know in the midst of it that blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. When I mourn what's going on in me, it's, it's I confess, Jesus, I, I got stuff in me that it's hurting your heart. It's actually wrecking my life, and I don't want that. And so I want to mourn that. I want to understand why that hurts your heart because I don't want that anymore. God, I have a, a view on the world where I, I see the hurts of the people around me and I don't just race past it, but I, I sit with it a little bit, especially those I know. And I want to sit with them on the curb of life and I want to mourn with them. I want to recognize that your Holy Spirit, one of the words for the Holy Spirit is counselor, comforter. That the Spirit has been given to us to be that physical comfort that Jesus says here. Blessed are those who mourn, you will be comforted. The comforter will live life with you and walk alongside you to remind you that you are forgiven. And that you are forever held in the presence of of the one who is forever with you. His spirit testifies to our spirit that we are his children. Uh, I was listening to a podcast this week, and Rick Warren, who uh, I admire, pastor of Saddleback Church, 40 plus years. And he made a statement that wasn't off the cuff, but it caught my attention. As he said, be aware of the tsunami of grief that's coming in the next few years. And I got to think, and he went on and explained. Think about the grief and the loss that people have suffered, the loss, of, the loss of missing out on so many things. Maybe it's the loss of loved ones. It's the loss of jobs. It's the loss of so much. It's a grief that has been a part of people's real-life stories. And the beautiful opportunity is for the church, for you, for me, to recognize that in, in moments of grief, that's some of the best moments for people to be introduced to the hope of Jesus. So the tsunami of grief that's coming 
is met with a greater tsunami of hope that Jesus is with you and that his promise is that blessed are you who mourn for you will be comforted. The comfort is available. The hope is really here. And it doesn't mean your situation is magically all better. Life is not a sitcom. Not everything gets wrapped up in 30 minutes. It's real life, and it's raw sometimes, and it hurts. But what if the church, what if you, what if I get better at learning just how to sit with someone who's grieving? To understand what you do. See, grief is not just something you get over. It's something you have to get through. And you've got to have people who will walk through it with you. Maybe one of the most important things in understanding grief is that your feelings are meant to be felt. Duh. But see, in our culture, we don't think that. We say, well, I got this feeling. I'm going to drown it out with something else. No, no. Feeling is real. God is an emotional God. We are made in his image. The Bible says that God gets jealous, gets angry, gets frustrated, gets, laughs, he cries, he weeps, he grieves. He is an emotional God. That does not mean he's irrationally emotional or unstable or unhealthy. That's not at all what it means. What it means is that emotions are real and that we've been created with them. Every emotion is legitimate, but emotions are not permanent. That's why to live your life just based on your emotion is a stupid way to live. Because they're not permanent. They're forever moving and changing. And so what does it mean to live with wisdom? That's how we're called to live. And that mourning is the way of acknowledging, hey, when I'm sad, I'm sad. And it's okay to be sad. It doesn't mean I have to live there. But it doesn't mean I have to rush past it because maybe there's some lessons to learn in the seasons of struggle. Tears are not a sign of weakness. They're actually a sign of love. Jesus wept over Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem. I've longed to to bring you in like a, a hen brings their chicks under their wings. And yet you have missed the very Savior coming for you. And he weeps over the people that he loves. Do you weep? Do you let tears flow? Not just for the struggles you have, but for the struggles of others. Do you meet them in those moments? And are you able to be fully there? Because I promise you, if you can, God will use you greatly in the lives of people. Blessed are those who mourn. They will be comforted. And as we navigate our grief and as we navigate the, uh, the hardships of others, here's the beautiful promise. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, one of my favorite verses when it comes to this whole idea of mourning and grief. All praise to God the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. Who's the source? God is. He's the source of comfort. Blessed are those who mourn. They will be comforted. Jesus promised that. He comforts us in our trouble so that we can turn and comfort others when they are troubled. We can give the same comfort God has given to us. What if, what if the church, what if you, what if I, what if we got better at that? 
because it opens a door and an opportunity to speak grace and hope and faith into people's life. Not to just say, here's your circumstances and they're finished and they're over. No, it's I'm gonna be with you in the moment that you're in, in the season of sadness that maybe you're struggling through. But I'm gonna be with you. And I went through a season similar. It's not the same. But God met me and he comforted me. And I wanna turn and try to just pass that along to you. This is what was given to me. Blessed are those who mourn, they will be comforted. I have received this from God. He brought other people around me, and now I just want to be a part of trying to pass that on to you. And maybe our greatest opportunity for evangelism in the next two or three years rest at the door of can you learn to mourn with those who mourn? That might be the biggest window. Some of your greatest ministry opportunities will come out of some of your deepest pain. Because it's there that God will meet you. And he will extinguish and, and kind of birth within you a passion and a purpose and a potential to impact others with the same comfort he's given to you. And he wants to pass that on through others. That That's part of the church. So here's the question I want to wrestle with at the end. And just give you space and as our team comes back up. Um, does your heart break for what breaks God's heart? I want you to wrestle with that question this week. Does your heart break for the things that break God's heart, the things that break God's heart that are going on within you? Uh, maybe your life choices or, or your attitudes or, or your opinions on things that maybe aren't what his would be. Or does your heart break for the things that break God's heart that's going on around you? Are you growing in the compassion of Christ more and more? We challenged you last week to open up your phone and open it up to a blank note on your phone and, and to really sit with here. And we wanted to practice through this series 60 seconds. And so if you got your phone, I'm telling you, get it out. And open up a note. And maybe you started one last week and you can just add on to it this week. Maybe it's just Sunday notes. And, and what is God stirring in your heart tonight? What's your takeaway? What's he whispering to you? How's he nudging your heart? Maybe it's a verse that you heard. Maybe it's a statement that you heard. Maybe it's something I didn't even say. But yet God's kind of been whispering into your heart and whispering into your ear. And, and this is the statement. You're thinking about it right now. This is what I need to hold on to. This is what I need to wrestle with this week. Write it down. And throughout this week, glance at it. God, why did that stick out to me? Why did you impress that upon me? What are you trying to show me? How are you trying to change me? How are you trying to lead me to the better version of me? And what you want to do in my life? And maybe what you want to do through my life? So I'm just going to pause and I'll pray. But what is God showing you? Write it down. Father, for those that are at home watching, watching it later this week, those that are sitting here in our presence together tonight, your spirit moves wherever people are at. Your spirit's moving right now. What are you nudging our hearts 
forward in? What are you wanting us to hold on to, to wrestle with a little bit more? How are you calling, shaping, challenging us to take our next step? So Father, would you move in our midst as we think and contemplate? Uh, We want to grow in our faith, not just be hearers of the word, but doers of it. Knowing that you are always active, inviting us to take our next step with you, and that's individualistic, and yet it's also as a movement of the church. And so as we worship you here in this last song, would you move in our midst, stretch us, and speak to us, we pray. Oh, the 
season of mourning. And I'm really sorry. I wish it was different. I, I wish it would get better quicker. But friend, don't miss the beauty of the one that you can turn to who's like no one else promises to be with you in those moments. And maybe as he comforts you, I pray that it would be experienced and expressed in a way that just surprises you. And that as it does, he brings a healing and a hope into your heart that you you can turn around and you can't just contain that for yourself, but you look for ways to share that with others. Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Not maybe, but will be. As we close, just three quick things. One is college Bible study starts Tuesday. If you're 18 to 25, we invite you right here on campus. Um, We have teacher appreciation coming up for a couple schools that we've adopted. Remember John B. Wright Elementary and Catalina High School are dear to our heart. We've kind of adopted them, told their principals, hey, we're your bat phone. If you need something, call us. If we can do it, we'll do it. If we can't, we'll tell you. But we want to bless teachers. How many of you think it's been a tough year for teachers? It's been challenging. So uh, we can't fix everything, but do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. So we got two schools and, and we want to bless teachers and staff Uh, with just a cup of coffee, a free coffee from the church that says, hey, we care. And uh, you matter to us. And and we've invested a lot in these schools over the years. And so there's two poster boards out 
on a table out in the lobby this week and next. We'd love for you to sign your name to that. We're going to present that as we drop off uh, the gift cards to them. Uh, thank you for those of you who give. It allows us to do something like this, to give back to the community and to say, here's a church that knows you exist and, and we actually think you matter. And, and so we want you to know that. And you matter to God. You matter to us. And so uh, you're a part of that. Um, and, and then the third thing, uh, Ivy, I'm sorry it went away. I didn't see the third thing. <laughs> I know it's up there somewhere. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. If you're new, we'd love for you to come to the 10-minute party. Um, I'll be back there. would love to meet you for that. Um, and uh, next week, I know what it is. Uh, thank you. Lyle, we get to ordain Lyle as our associate pastor next week. <laughs> Immediately following... Uh, immediately following the service. So we're going to have like an ordination ceremony, uh, which will be cool. Uh, we're kind of making it up right now. Uh, and we'd love for you to stay for that. It'll be like 20 minutes. Uh, so after the service, we'll chill for about five. We'll do that. Uh, we'd love for you to be a part of that experience and just kind of praying over him. He's got some friends and his mom coming down, and we've got some people that want to pray over him, our elders, and, and just some mentors and people that are dear to him and his life. And as we kind of send him into the gospel ministry as a part of this, we're affirming uh, God's call on his life and his call in this church. And so we're asking you to be a part of that next week, immediately following. There may even be cupcakes, I'm just saying. Okay. Um, but 10-minute party, if you're new, love to meet you back there. Uh, may God bless you, and may you know that his comfort is real, and may you experience it more deeply and more often as you navigate the ups and downs of life. God bless you, friends. We'll see you next week. <laughs>